0: Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgononi and Matthew Betts.
1: Welcome in. Welcome in, DFSers. It's your boy, Borg and Betts, and I'm looking huh, looking a little sunny these days, Betts. I just got back from the beach and me and the beach actually do pretty well when it comes to DFS.
0: <laughs> it does, man. The last time you recorded from the beach, uh two things happened. One, you were in a closet, which was interesting. And two, that was the week that you wrote up Chase Claypool in the DFS pass when he destroyed my Eagles for four touchdowns, so Tonight we're talking league winners for best ball, and I can only assume your takes are going to be 100% correct based off our sample size of one.
1: Yeah, you know, it won one of our listeners $30,000. It won me zero because I barely, I think I maybe put Claypool in like one lineup. So hopefully, hopefully, the league winners that you and I get to talk about tonight, you'll hear tomorrow, and you will enjoy them. And you'll write them down. They'll help you win your best ball tournaments and hey, maybe for DFS, these names will pop up again. So I'm excited. Just got back from the beach. And yeah, I'm excited to jump back in. I've actually took some time off. Like I'm one of those people that when I'm at the beach, I'm going to be off social media. I'm pretty much not going to look at too much football. Um, Am I a weirdo, bets, for just like really unplugging?
0: Complete weirdo. Can't even trust you anymore. Yeah, no wonder. It makes sense because I was just you know mentioning you on Twitter all the time and you weren't even responding. So now I get what it's like. Uh, and to get people a glimpse behind the curtain as to what uh, Kyle's situation is like versus what mine is when I go to the beach. I'm sitting on the beach, drinking hand, literally best ball after best ball after best ball draft. <laughs> Complete degen. Kyle is a great human. He unplugs, hangs out with the family, reads a book. So that's, that's kind of the difference between us, I think.
1: I think the reading, the reading thing, is what I try to do, and with young kids, it's tough. But hopefully, we have some unique perspectives, which I think next week is going to help with the show. We're going to talk about forecasting, and you know, you and I are going to talk about how projections and really how you come out with certain outcomes. So I think that's something you and I have looked at together. We've read bets, we we read together. Remember, we had a book club of two. <laughs> <laughs> so what a winter! We're excited man. To share. <laughs> Dude, it was it was good times. It was like coming right out of quarantine, you know, everything else. It was just, it was the time to strike up an, uh, a book club for two. For sure. So maybe 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 we can get some more people in on that train. But this is DFS for the rest of us. This is late June. And so we're kind of uh, near the end of some of our best ball content. We just put out a ton of new best ball content with our best ball primer, which went live this past week. We also have our best ball rankings, which are part of the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. So for our quick question today, Bets, I wanted you to kind of tease the listener with one of our best ball primer insights. And, you know, you and I kind of got to go through team by team, look at where the players are ADP, how you can stack them, our highest exposures based on teams that we've actually drafted, we've put our money behind. And then you did a lot of the team projections talking about win totals and the offenses in general. So any takeaways or maybe just uh, freebies you want to give the listeners? Uh, with our best ball primer,
0: I would love to. Uh, yeah, man, the, the best ball primer. I'm really proud of it. I think we put a lot of good content in there for the people. Um, and one thing that I like about it is just the easy, like visual, you know, component of it. Like it's so easy to scroll onto the Vikings and see. Okay, Dalvin Cook is going at the second overall pick. Justin Jefferson, twenty five point six. Adam Thielen, etc. You can see every single player where they're going in drafts. And then you did a great job in the stackability report of being like, okay, I have pick, you know, two, three, four. That is all lit up in green. So I know that if I'm going into a draft and I'm like, man, I like the Vikings this year, and I've got the third overall pick or the fourth overall pick, like there's a really good chance that based off those ADPs that I just mentioned, you're gonna come away with some combination of Vikings if you want to. And and it lets you kind of know like, okay, if I have this pick, there's a good chance I don't have to reach for my stack, which we talked about two or three episodes ago, is not a positive EV move. It's actually not great to do if you have to reach really far. So this lets you see where your stacks are coming from, how to appropriately target stacks based off your draft position. And I love the Vikings. If you got the second pick, man, you're getting Dalvin and then it's so easy to hit, you know, one of the wide receivers later. Get Kirk Cousins super cheap, get Irv Smith super cheap. And I talked about it in the, you know, the highest exposure situation here. Like the those guys are expensive, right? But I'm add, adding a lot of Adam Thielen this year. No one wants Adam Thielen as, like, the wide receiver three, yet we know he and Kirk Cousins are so much in sync around the goal line. So um, I'm taking those guys for sure at their ADP, and the nice thing about it is you do not have to reach to get them.
1: Yeah, another team that's closely correlated with that, you know, first, second, third pick is the Seahawks. So let's say you started a draft with Cook, like you mentioned. Like, when you're coming back around at the 2-3 turn, you're either seeing Justin Jefferson or DK Metcalf being right there. Uh, but then when you come back to the, you know, three, four turn or, or excuse me, four five turn lock, it's right there. And that's right where Thielen is. So those two teams are actually really close that you could have a bunch of stacks. Chris Carson's also there in third round, if you wanted to go there. So the Seahawks and Vikings are two teams that we've identified that there's going to be a lot of teams that have those players mixed in. So for the Best Ball Mania tournament, just expect, like if people have a pick in the first, you know, two or three picks, they're probably going to have Vikings and they're going to have Seahawks, which we both agree is a good bet because we like these offenses. So uh, you can see all those metrics. You can see the stackability, the colorful chart in the uh, Best Ball Primer. But I also wanted to bring this up. You and I get to look at ADPs and sometimes my mind goes crazy. Just I go cross-eyed from seeing so much ADP, so many different numbers. There's a lot of offenses with ambiguous wide receiver groups where I couldn't tell you who the one is. You've talked a lot about the Bengals where it's like, it's probably Jamar Chase, but it could be T. Higgins and it could be Boyd. And generally speaking, I've been a person that's kind of avoided those situations because I don't know which one it is. But as I've looked at these ADPs, as you and I have looked at these stack abilities, there's lots of teams, the Steelers are another one, where there's three wide receivers, we like all of them, we're just not sure the order, where I actually do want to take a stab, because chances are, based on those three receivers, one of them could easily get hurt, one of them could easily regress in some way, and so really, you might really be looking at a wide receiver core that only has two players, as opposed to three, and I'd rather be in on that, rather than just completely fade it. Does that make sense, Betts? Makes a ton of
0: sense. And there's a lot of people that actually try to avoid ambiguous situations. Um, also, shout out to me for getting that word correct, which I cannot say two or three episodes <laughs> ago. <laughs> oh, nailing it. Um, yes, it's correct. Like people try to avoid these ambiguous situations. Because like you said, it's like, I don't know like which Bengals wide receiver it's going to be. I think the offense is going to throw a ton, but I'm not sure who it's going to be. And so I don't want to take the wrong guy. So I'll just pass. And then you just lose a ton of value on those players. So my best, uh, I guess, advice in those sort of situations for best ball players is to just kind of spread out your exposure, you know, do a couple drafts. If we're talking about the Bengals, for example. Take Chase and Higgins and then don't take Boyd or take Boyd and Chase and then don't take Higgins, et cetera, et cetera. So you can really just mix and match and just get, you know, that portfolio that we're looking for in best ball. Because when you get so zoomed in on just like the player level analysis, you're going to miss on a ton of people. So having more exposure and be willing to embrace uncertainty is really how it goes uh, in best ball.
1: Yes, ambiguity or ambiguous situations, bets is, is something that you have to take advantage of. And you, in best ball, you get to take a stab and you don't feel the same, you know, weight of being wrong because you're not looking at your team every single week, but that's what we need to do. And to identify those and to just take your shot at it. Backfields is another place that you and I have identified, like, okay, is it this guy who's going to get, you know, the 60 of the 40, take your shot on it. Like that, that's, what's really, really matters. And so instead of staying away, go for it you can find all of our best ball primer. So every single team, every single uh, stackability metric in the ultimate draft kit plus, which you can get right now. And soon Betts and I will start coming out with DFS content as we move closer to August. So August is getting you ready to play DFS with us every single week. And I was, I was getting pumped on the ride back bets, just thinking about, okay, projections are tough and it's tough to hit it for a season. But what we're doing in DFS is we're taking one week at a time and we're just giving all of our energy into that. And so it's super fun. If you haven't played DFS, if you're new to it or if you haven't taken us seriously, you get to play with us each week. We have our own uh, DraftKings tournament that we get to host as well. So super excited. Uh, can't wait for you guys to be a part of DFS for the rest of us. But let's talk about some league winners for best ball. <laughs> Best ball bonanza. League winners, bets. Everybody wants to identify a league winner. It's pretty great feeling. We love the glory of finding someone deep, deep, deep. Um, let me just, before we do this, give me, bets, one of your best calls. It could be maybe a couple years back, but like player wise, you're like, I nailed it with this player.
0: Oh, this is gonna be hard because I'm not very good at this. I don't have any good wins. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think back. Hold on. Let me let me let me go back there. Okay, I I got a good one. So you know that I'm uh, obviously into the injuries and I I talk about them all the time, obviously on the Injury Blitz podcast for the Foot Clan. I'm writing about them every week. I'm recapping the week before previewing the week ahead, etc. The best call, I think, as far as the league winner was like Keenan Allen smash pick in round four. Why? Because everyone said he was injury prone. Well. It turns out he's not also last year in Will Fuller going in the sixth and seventh round where people were already baking in his injury risk into the ADP and then double counting the injury risk when they got to him on the board of ADP. So those two, I think for me, were some of my best calls, just using kind of my knowledge as far as injuries to predict like this guy's chances of staying healthy this year are better than last year. So let's go in on it at his ADP. Um, and there was a lot of reasons, obviously, outside of just injury to be in on those guys those seasons. So I think Keenan Allen and, and you know, will fuller are probably be my best two calls over the last couple of years.
1: I'll say this player was a league winner in the sense of where you got him and the way that he performed. But two years ago, Mark Andrews was my, my guy. And I just love the value. I love what he saw in his profile in terms of like yards per reception and just something, somebody that was different. And obviously that coincided with a ridiculous year with Lamar. And when you get a league winner, right, it feels really good. We're giving you the best case example. So Betts and I could easily go through a list of about 10 other people are like, we were dead wrong about this guy being a league winner. So never me. Um Mm-mm. no big deal. Betts and I are just gonna go through each position and lay it on the line. I wouldn't say these are like my guys, but these are guys that we've identified. And so here's what we've defined as a league winner. They have to outperform their ADP. So we'll mention their ADP and kind of where we have them ranked or you know, what you and I would say like, hey, this is where you can get them in best ball. And this is why we think this is a big deal. They have to have a ceiling outcome. So I don't know if every single one of these players were saying that they're going to hit top five or whatever, but at least we see a scenario where they could be top five to, you know, for like a running back or there's top 10. Um, and then the last thing is we need them to have a high win rate. We've talked about win rates a couple episodes ago. If you want to go through that, uh, they need a high win rate based on their ADP, Based on you know who you're taking them with, so with do they have a good stacking partner? Do they have a team build where we like the offense? So those are the factors that we like for a league winner. And I know sleepers, all those kind of terms get passed around a lot, but for best ball, that's how we wanted to find it. And I will let you start first bets. We'll start off with the quarterbacks. Give me your quote league winner.
0: Well, I've got two. I feel like I broke the rules here, but <laughs> you cheat already. I, I did cheat. Uh, The first name that I'm going to give out is a quarterback that I don't think our listeners have probably heard of at all. You know, he's really good, like runs the ball a lot. I think he's a good quarterback, yada, 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 in fantasy. Uh, His name is Lamar Jackson. And it sounds super silly for me to say that he's a league winner, but he is undervalued right now in fantasy drafts. And here's why. This man is currently going in the fifth round, and I've been smashing, breaking the keyboard on the draft button with Lamar Jackson. I just moved him ahead of Kyler in my best ball ranks. I want to be high on Lamar Jackson this year for the following reasons. This man has posted a 9% and a 6.9, very nice, touchdown rate over the last two years. I get that people came out and they were like, you know, there's no way he's going to do this 9% touchdown rate thing again. Totally unrealistic, not sustainable. It didn't happen, obviously. He regressed, but he regressed and was still amazing in a COVID year where he had COVID playing with a wide receiver one that's like 5'8 and 170. That's the reality of Lamar Jackson. Is he the best quarterback in the world? No. Is he going to throw like Patrick Mahomes? No. Does he have Josh Allen's arm? No, of course not. But he is an efficient touchdown scorer. And when you can throw with efficiency and add on, you know you're getting 1,000 yards. You know you're going to get a handful of rushing touchdowns. He has the quarterback one overall ceiling. and He's being drafted as the quarterback four, five, or six in every draft that I do. To me, I'll take him over Mahomes, over Allen, over those guys at his ADP all day. And he's got the best pass catchers of his career at this point. Say what you want about the Lizard King. I don't know. (laughs) Is he good? No. But is he going to add value? For Lamar, yes, Rashad Bateman, the rookie, you know, you like him. Obviously, we like Mark Andrews. I just think for me, you know, Lamar Jackson is a guy that he doesn't force a stack because he runs so much that I've been taking him everywhere. And if anything happens where he goes down, I will be out a lot of money this year. Very high on Lamar Jackson.
1: Yeah. And I just want to you've been consistent bets like I respect this Lamar Jackson take because we've seen him do it. And I don't think anyone thinks you're crazy for ranking him above Kyler. I think Kyler feels a little safer. Uh, in my my book, but I love it. And looking at where he's going, ADP, you know, around fifty four, um, in the fifth round bets, are you also stacking him a lot with Andrews because he's kind of going in that next in that next turn? Is that something you're doing consistently?
0: I think for me, it's not as much of a have to. It's like, hey, if he falls to a good spot, that's awesome, and I will definitely do it. Um, but I'm not necessarily forcing a stack with Lamar. I am willing to stack him if the right situation is there and I've done it a little bit with Hollywood, a little bit with Mark Andrews. Um heck, even in the 18th round I've taken uh, I think one share of Sammy Watkins like it, yes, it's please. a guy that I think that you can stack with one of the Baltimore Ravens pass catchers. I wouldn't really recommend a double stack I don't think for Lamar just because we know he's going to run the ball so much. So, yeah, the nice thing about him is like it feels like with other quarterbacks, you know, like if you have Herbert, you're like I got to get Keenan. Um you know, if you have Kyler, like I got to get DeAndre Hopkins. Like it for Lamar, it doesn't feel that way. So I love the flexibility it gives you in your lineup.
1: Their ADP is actually pretty suppressed for being such a good offense. Like we pretty much put them in the top 10 in terms of just raw points. And Dobbins is something that you and I are both a little bit lower on. So I don't I don't have Dobbins anywhere in best ball. Um I've been just fading in, but I have a little bit of Lamar. I do have some Sammy Watkins and a little bit of Mark Andrews. So I'm with you. I think he has the upside there. And in the fifth round, you're not asking him to do the same things that maybe you did last year, which was, you know, he's taking the kind of the second third. So uh, let's keep going with you, though. Your other boy that you have kind of consistently said over and over again, this is my guy. It's Trey Lance.
0: Yeah, this feels like a good way to get back in on Trey Lance after you and I had some hard-earned money on Justin Fields to the Niners. (laughs) So I think this is my way of helping me sleep at night. But yeah, man, I I love Trey Lance. I love him as a quarterback too in best ball. And I just want to put this disclaimer out there for folks. I think I'm going to be out on Trey Lance in about a month. Based off the way his ADP is trending, people are kind of getting more onto him. In May and, you know, early June, like you could get him as your quarterback two or three in like the 14th, 15th round. Now he's going like 10th, 11th round, that kind of thing. So I still am okay with it where he's at, but I want to say like he was way better value a month ago, and in a month that might be out. But here's the case for Trey Lance. We know they gave up a ton to go up to three to get him. We know that the schedule is absolutely cake for the Niners. It is the easiest by far according to Vegas win totals, and it is not even close in terms of the the Niners' offensive schedule here. But the thing that I love the most about him is that it gives you that, again, rushing quarterback that Kyle and I have preached about on this podcast, about how important that is for upside later at the quarterback two position. I don't want a pocket passer as my quarterback two. I want this guy that can go out for run for over a thousand yards, and we saw Trey Lance do that in college. So if he comes out and he does that, and you're getting him in the tenth, eleventh round, all of a sudden at the end of the year, you could turn around and be like, "Wow, he was the quarterback six on the year, and I got him at quarterback fifteen value." So to me, he's a massive league winner. If he gets the field and takes the field, which we've seen top 10 quarterback picks in the NFL do play in year one. So I'm betting on that scenario happening um, and not having Jimmy G play a ton this year.
1: Are you okay? Let's say you did get Lamar Jackson in the fifth. Do you want Lance as your QB, two? Are you that bullish?
0: I think in the right scenario, I'm definitely okay with it. Now, all that being said, we do know that stacking is really highly correlated with success in best ball. So let's say, for example, I don't stack Lamar. Uh, with one of his primary pass catchers and all of a sudden I do have you know a couple other wide receivers from a team that I like and their quarterback is still there I'll probably take the other quarterback as a way to still correlate and get um, some decent exposure to a stack because the thing about Trey Lance that's tough is like all of his guys go earlier so it's almost like you have to have him fall to you like Trey Sermon goes earlier obviously Debo George Kittle I uh, you all those guys go early and so at the end of the draft there's not anyone that I'm super excited about stacking with him with so it's sort of been a scenario where if there is someone else that I like at quarterback that I have their pass catchers I'm going with them over Lance but to me Trey Lance is just a smash pick as your quarterback too if you don't already have a Russian quarterback is kind of when I've been finding myself with a lot of Trey Lance
1: nice yeah I'm I've definitely warmed up to Trey Lance I think I was obviously a little salty after our Justin Fields debacle and, you know, just reviewing the film for Lance, I think I was a little down just the competition. You know, a lot of the red flags people have, but the Niners are going to be good. I think you're right. I think you're right in saying this team is set up with their schedule, with health, hopefully, that they're going to be good. I'm going to quickly go through my quarterback, your former best friend as an Eagles fan. It's Carson Wentz. And if you listen to this podcast, you've heard me mention Wentz as somebody I'm consistently taking as my QB2 if you are doing a three quarterback build, let's say you're missing out on the elite, please give me Carson Wentz as my QB three. Like that is wild that you can get this guy so late. Uh right now, he is going as the quarterback 22 in basically the 13th or 14th round. And I just love this team. I love the, the Colts in the sense that you can stack them super late. You can go almost 10 rounds, not take a Colt and then turn out and have a double stack with Carson Wentz. Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, or, you know, maybe you want to go with one of the tight ends. Like you could easily do that. And so I love his value. Here's the thing with Wentz. The first two months of the season, it was bad, you know, in, in a lot of regards for fantasy. I, he was a top 10 quarterback and that's all I really care about. Uh, the offensive line is so much better. I think he's going to have a lot more protection in the sense of when things broke down in the pocket, he tried to make things happen. And I think that's going to be corrected Um, The weapons, I wouldn't say are elite, but I think they're good enough and they're good enough for him to make things happen. He also is known to uh, run the ball, especially when you get in close. So it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up again with five rushing touchdowns. Um, Maybe that's a little high, but even three or four is, you know, well within the realm. So I think QB 22 is way too low. I have him at QB 17. So I'm getting him on a ton of teams And the Colts are probably one of my favorite sneaky stacks uh, that I'm doing right now. But any quick thoughts about your boy, Carson? I mean, you guys were so close.
0: Yeah, you know, it's tough to see your BFF go from your town or your city to another part of the country. Uh, The the jersey's hanging in my closet. Still not sure what to do with it. But yes, I, I like this call, man. I mean... The the early season schedule is rough. Like if they can get by those first few games and sort of escape with like a 500 record, Carson Wentz is going to be safe for the rest of the year because at that point the schedule opens up massively. You're talking about two games against the Texans. They're taking on the Titans. They got the Jets. They got the Jaguars. And then in week 16, 17, 18, best ball uh, playoffs here for 16, 17. Cardinals could be a shootout, and then the Raiders, who we think is going to be an awful defense. So there are definitely scenarios for upside when it matters most in fantasy. So I, I definitely like that call a lot uh, with, with my BFF, Carson Wentz.
1: What is his ceiling? What would you say? Like Carson Wentz can be a top what quarterback?
0: I mean, if everything goes right, we've seen like obviously his MVP potential year. We didn't see it because of the torn ACL. But like he was a top five quarterback in, the, in that time. Now, do I think he has that ceiling this year with his pass catchers that he has? Probably not. But he's going, you said the quarterback 20. 22. 22. I, I could easily see a scenario where you look back and we're like, whoa, Carson Wentz, quarterback 12. What a nice year. You know, like that's totally in the range of outcomes for sure for Carson Wentz.
1: And that's what we want for league winners. That's what you want in best ball. Like you're looking at your rosters and say, I want at every single position, especially in these big tournaments that Betts and I love playing in, like you want to just outperform your ADP for all of these guys. And so with quarterbacks, there is a lot of room to move up because, you know, quarterback, Eight through 15 is pretty interchangeable um, at the end of the season. So, yeah, I think probably seven or eight is as high as he could possibly get because we just doesn't have the same rushing upside of these other guys. But Carson Wentz, my best ball quarterback league winner. All right. Give me your running back. We both have rookie running backs.
0: We did just talk about this team, and I'm going to I'm going to go back to it. I think you can even stack these two guys together if you want to get unique with your stack. I talked about Trey Lance and the Niners. I love Trey Sermon, man, and I am getting really scared at the exposure that I have with Trey Sermon currently in my portfolio. Um, again, caveat: he was so much more, you know, uh, easy to be targeting in, in drafts as far as his ADP. A month ago, it is definitely catching steam, and so again, if we if the the trend continues where he catches up to RB twenty ADP and that top, you know. Five rounds. I may be out on Trey Sermon, but currently he's going in the sixth. I've gotten him a ton on the seventh, eighth, ninth previously, and I absolutely love that. But for Trey Sermon, it's easy to see a path. You can talk yourself into a scenario where he comes out and he is a lead back for the Niners for a team like we talked about with the insane schedule they have. I think they're going to find themselves with a really good defense in a lot of positive scripts. And so I want to have a lot of exposure to both Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon. But I think, you know, we know kind of what Raheem Mostert is at this point in his career. A guy who has kind of struggled to stay healthy but will provide some some spike weeks. So I'm taking more of a bet on Sermon as the younger back to come in, uh, a back that they drafted that they, you know, certainly had their eye on, to be the guy that can lead them down the stretch. And when I say lead them down the stretch, I mean, like, literally win you the Millie in this tournament and on, on underdog best ball. Like, you're talking about the playoff schedule. It is as follows. They are taking on Atlanta. Sorry, Kyle. Still not convinced the defense is going to be good. The implied total they have is 27 points. Very good. Week 16, they have Tennessee. Kyle, which quarterback do I love to target overs in DFS every single week? Who is it?
1: Is, is Ryan Tannehill for life?
0: For life. And we're talking about a game that could easily shoot out against a really, really bad Tennessee team there in week 16. And then in week 17, we we're talking about the Houston freaking Texans, a 30 point implied total for the 49ers. Like this team, I just want to have a lot of exposure to in the event that things work out with this rookie backfield with Trey Lance, with Trey Sermon, the trays that come out and and win you a ton of money. So love Trey Sermon currently as like an RB2, RB3 in best ball leagues.
1: Your Trey Boys. That'll be your, uh, that'll be your tat across your chest. Trey Boys.
0: If I win, if I win the whole thing, I'm getting it.
1: (laughs) Sorry, Monica. I, I I just these two guys they're named Trey they play for the same team and they're gonna players. go
0: right over my heart
1: <laughs> Trey boys I will go with another rookie running back and I'm gonna give a caveat that you gave earlier I feel like in a month or so I won't be able to be on this player anymore and it is my highest rostered player now I just completed another draft and it used to be Michael Pittman Jr. who we'll talk about in a second but now my highest rostered player in best ball is Javante Williams, running back, Denver Broncos. Does that surprise you, Bets? Not at all. Yeah, I. here's the thing. Right now, his current ADP is is the running back 26. He's going about the 603, 604. So you're getting him at about pick 62 or 63. And that's continually gone up. So I went back and looked at some of the drafts that I was getting him at. And I was getting him in the late 60s. I even had a draft where I got him at 71, Bets. And that's just not going to happen anymore. So the news out of Broncos camp, they've had some beat writers uh, basically share the fact that they think Javante Williams is going to start the season as the one. I think that's a bit speculation because the rational coaching would say that this team traded up for him. He's a running back and they're going to use him. Um, By the way, they traded up to the Falcons draft slot where we could have drafted Javante Williams, but we were cool with Mike Davis. Anyway, Javante (laughs) Williams is set up to smash at his ADP right now. And I think if you have an elite running back one, let's say that in the first round, you got somebody Kamara, you know, you got, I'm trying to think more towards the back half. Like you got Zeke, you got Saquon, you got Akers, Chubb, any of those guys. And you got Javante Williams as your RB two. I actually feel completely fine about that in terms of upside. It's not a safe pick, but he's somebody that I'm consistently getting in heavy RB builds. I'm getting him as my RB three, you know, at the end of the fifth, sixth round, and he will go in probably the fourth or, you know, fourth round, maybe even up to the third round, who knows, like as things get closer. So there is a chance that Melvin Gordon gets cut. And if he's cut, then we know that ADP is going to skyrocket. But regardless, I'd rather take advantage now in an ambiguous situation. And I think both of these running backs sermon, Javante Williams, we're basically setting ourselves up the same way. Last year, J.K. Dobbins had that awesome stretch down, you know, done very end. You saw Jonathan Taylor go nuts at the very end of the year, like rookie running backs really do come on strong, even in ambiguous situations. So Javante Williams, I think right now, if you get him as your RB three, I think you're playing with house money if you have a a, a heavy RB build.
0: Yeah, I love it. I actually, just did a best ball draft uh, earlier today that I took him as my RB3 and I was done. I just took three running backs. I just kind of went with a fragile build and if they all three smash, then you know, you're know you kind of embracing the they ain't, the ain't first or last type of mentality, which I always preach in best ball, you know, especially these tournaments. I absolutely love him as RB3. I think he's a smash every time he's there. Sixth, seventh, sometimes eighth round. So yes, very much in on Javante Williams. Absolutely love him at his ADP.
1: Alright, give me your wide receiver and I think I'm in on both of these guys that yeah, uh, you're talking about
0: all right dude let's start with our boy rod rod godwin yes i'm talking about chris godwin shout out why to, does no
1: one know this
0: i don't know people need to know this is his name rod um shout out to uh, my favorite college team penn state chris godwin right now absolutely a smash in the fourth round let's rewind a year ago When people were talking about him as like in dynasty leagues, like the wide receiver two, wide receiver three, top five dynasty wide receiver, don't even think twice about it. Let's fast forward to redraft. He is going in the second round every single draft. And I love taking advantage of situations where people are very short minded in terms of what a player is. He is a second or third round player going a full one to two rounds later than he should be. Chris Godwin last year was absolutely dominant down the stretch and that is with him missing time with remember the broken finger right he also had the concussion earlier in the year and the hamstring issue he only caught one fewer regular season catch from Tom Brady than Mike Evans yes they were that close and people are automatically assuming Mike Evans is this team's wide receiver one I'm not convinced I did the 16 game split when you look at the playoffs including it for Chris Goblin his 16 game stat line 81 receptions, 1072 yards and 8 touchdowns. If you're doing that from your wide receiver 2, who's going to have wide receiver 1 weeks, absolutely love it. And the thing that I like most about Chris Godwin is, you know, people will say, "Well, bets. Listen, like I get it, but Antonio Brown's there. You know, like I I can't see Tom Brady supporting all three of these guys. Look at the splits, right? I'm going to use the the Rotoviz game splits app, which I think is phenomenal. In the games that he played With Antonio Brown, he averaged almost four PPR points more per game, almost a full catch per game. His touchdown rate was up. He had another target per game, like the entire offense just got elevated with Antonio Brown there. So to me, I absolutely love Chris Godman where he's going. And the thing that I like most about his situation is it makes it so easy to to take a value on a guy. Like you don't have to take Mike Evans. You can take Chris Godwin and potentially still get the wide receiver one when everyone else thinks it's already going to be Mike Evans. I think Godwin's going to absolutely smash this year.
1: Yeah. Wide receiver 19. You and I are super bullish, you know, in terms of our rankings, you and I have him ranked much higher. I just think that's like a smash for him to outperform that ADP. Uh, looking at our rankings right now, you have him at wide receiver 15. I'm probably a little too high. I mean, I have a wide receiver 11. So basically what we're telling listeners, if you get the UDK plus, if you use our rankings, you will be getting Chris Godwin on your team because we're saying he's not a fourth round player. Like why is he going at the four Oh seven? So yes, Chris Godwin, I could not agree with you more. I think he's the wide receiver one for that team. I'll gladly take the discount and get Antonio Brown, but I want a piece of that Buccaneers offense. And I actually prefer Godwin over Evans, but uh, ADP, Uh, is different. All right, give me another player.
0: All right, dude. You know that I love Dallas. I mean, I don't have to tell people like they're going to be a good offense. We know that, right? CeeDee Lamb, he's awesome. I'm really excited about CeeDee Lamb. Amari Cooper, he's always undervalued. But what about Michael Gallup? What about the guy who burnt everyone last year? The guy who was taken consistently in the sixth round, seventh round of drafts, and then all of a sudden did nothing. Yes, I'm back in on Michael Gallup. And it's because... Last year, the season was just a total train wreck for Dallas. We were talking about quarterback play from Andy Dalton and the pride of my alma mater, James Madison, Ben DiNucci. Now, I love JMU. I love my college, but Ben DiNucci was not it. To me, man, Michael Gallup has only upside at his current cost at the seventh round ADP, sometimes falling to the eighth round. In Dak's five starts last year, Dallas ranked first in pace, first in place per game second, no huddle rate, and third in points scored per game. This is just an offense that I want to have a ton of exposure to. And you're talking about a wide receiver that you can get as your wide receiver three, maybe your wide receiver four, depending on how you build your roster, who's going to have absolute spike weeks and who's so much cheaper than the other two guys in terms of ADP costs. So I've been finding myself with a ton of, of DAC stacks with Gallup and especially trying to get a little contrarian. Not including the other two top pass catchers in the event that somehow, you know, Gallup kind of rises up to be this team's wide receiver, too, or potentially even has a scenario that's maybe a small chance, but still a chance to kind of overtake and just be a huge down the field type of player for this team. So, love Michael Gallup, man, at his cost. If you were in on him last year, I think you've got to be back in on him this year.
1: Yeah, he's going 50 picks later than where Cooper and Lamb usually are. So, obviously, that's an awesome discount. What if, let's say you started a draft. I'm asking for a really, really close friend of mine. You start your draft with Ezekiel Elliott, all right? And you don't get Cooper, and you don't get Lamb, and you don't get Prescott. Would you still want to get in on Gallup?
0: Yes, please. Because we have talked about there is still positive correlation with these players that are playing on the same team, even if you don't have the quarterback. It obviously helps if you do. But, you know, if you have some pieces of an offense that's going to be great, Even without the quarterback, those players are still going to be great, and they're going to correlate together. So, yes, I would 100% do this for your very, very close friend who might also be named Kyle, I think.
1: Uh, Lyle is actually my Uh, alter ego when I'm drafting. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the other me. All right, I'm going to briefly talk about Michael Pittman Jr. because you guys have probably heard me talk about him so much. He's going in the ninth, tenth round. I have him ranked all the way up as a wide receiver three. So wide receiver 34, which is, doesn't sound crazy, but like he's routinely going as around wide receiver 45 to 50. So I'm pretty high and pretty bullish on him. I think he is the one there and Paris Campbell might get more targets, but they're not the targets that I actually want for fantasy. He's the big, tall receiver. And if you think about what Carson Wentz has had, he's had the Alshon Jeffrey types that basically, win and they win in the red zone. So I think he can easily be the best receiver. And if you can get him, you know, in a cult stack, like I mentioned with Carson Wentz late, uh, I just love it. I love getting him as my wide receiver four because I'm not asking him to be a weekly starter, but I am thinking that he can have those spike weeks. And then I want to throw out one player that I've been rising on a ton recently bets. And that's one of your Eagles, Devonta Smith. And one, because he's awesome and loved watching him in college. But every single year, there is a wide receiver that we undervalue. And usually when it comes to rookies, we undervalue them because we're just kind of like not sure. We haven't seen them yet, and so we discredit them. So Devonta Smith is going in round seven, which may sound a little rich for a lot of people, but I've routinely seen him back of the seventh, eighth round. He's kind of dropping, and he's actually going right around where Jalen Hurts is going. So you kind of have to almost pick... Uh, between those two but I think that he can finish as the top rookie wide receiver like it's not crazy to think that he could outperform chase that he could just be peppered with targets and that this dude is just going to get open like he's just a different player and so I love him where you can get him and I really think that if there's going to be a wide receiver other than chase I'd rather bet on Smith you can get another two rounds later and you can get him as your third wide receiver so I don't mind stacking him with Hurts, but it's not a must. I just think that Smith is one of those players we're going to look at, kind of like Justin Jefferson last year. It's like, okay, he's a rookie. We're not really sure what he is. Justin Jefferson was a 12th round pick last year in best ball, which is hilarious to think about. And Smith's going five rounds earlier, but I think that we're going to look back and say, wow, this dude can finish as like a wide receiver too this year. So any thoughts? Maybe you got some Eagles insider takes.
0: Well, I was talking to my best friend, Carson, Carson Wentz, and uh, and he confirmed that, you know, from afar, from his sources. So he's my source and his sources are telling him that uh, this is a great player, man. No, there's no one else to take targets from this guy, right? Like, is Jalen Rager it? I'm, I'm not sure. I think he's probably better suited as a wide receiver, too, for this offense. We talked about Dallas Goddard. Um, go back to last week's episode for my thoughts on that pick in our managed team together. Um And then, like, beyond that, like, is Greg Ward catching the football? Like, who's catching the football, right? Like, it's got to be someone, and you got to bet on talent. So I like that call at Devontae Smith. Actually listened to, um, give a shout out to the Eagle Eye podcast. If you're an Eagles fan, check it out with Dave Gonzalez uh, Zongaro, excuse me, and Ruben Frank. And they talked about it with Merrill Reese, who is, like, a huge, huge Eagles announcer if you follow the team. That's who announces all the games. Absolute legend. And he was like, I was at, you know, I was at OTAs. I was at minicamp. He's just different like he just shines on the field and kind of commands the ball so I definitely could see a scenario where you look back on the season and you're like how the heck was he going in the seventh round like he should have easily been in the fourth or the or the fifth so yes absolutely think that's a fine call on the Eagles Devontae
1: Smith all right I'm gonna ask one quick Eagles question here because you know I I know we're kind of you like to poke fun at your Eagles I like to poke fun at my Falcons it's you know it's kind of like we love our team but we also understand they're not perfect. How can this team justify spending though two first round picks in back to back years on wide receivers? Like in terms of team building, I obviously loved Devonta Smith, but like from in that perspective of like as a fan and knowing the analytics behind it, like does that kill you?
0: Well, <laughs> yes uh it kills me that we passed on all these stud wide receivers specifically dk metcalf in the second round for jj arithaga Whiteside, and then yes took a wide receiver in round one and
1: justin and justin jefferson yeah
0: who was mocked in every mock like literally every mock like i almost bought a jersey before nfl draft night of justin jefferson and then he comes out as has the best rookie season in history uh yeah so basically off, off that take kyle actually we should be fading devonta smith because he's apparently going to be awful based off that logic
1: I just, you know, we talked a little bit about team building, you and I, when we were looking at the draft, we did our draft props, which was super fun, man. That was, Those episodes were great. And then we talked about win totals, but the Eagles are kind of in this weird situation where like, is Hurts the guy? If he's not the guy, okay, we're, we'll reset again, but we just spent two picks on wide receivers that really won't matter, you know, in a couple of years if Hurts isn't the guy and what's going on with the defense, like there's just so many questions and you know this.
0: Yeah, it's going to be rough. going to be rough. Yeah.
1: All right, let's move on to tight end. We'll give two tight end picks and then you and I will go for the, the real home run. We're going to talk about 17th and 18th round winners. So bets, give me your tight end who uh, the ADP has been a moving.
0: Yes. Shout out to Mike for this one. Thanks a lot, Mike. Uh, I was getting Adam Troutman a lot later than I am now, but Mike is currently uh, leading the Adam Troutman hype train, and I totally believe that there's a scenario where his ADP is kind of silly come season's end. He could easily outperform the ADP, and what you're looking for with a tight end you know, league winner, as we're describing here, I'm not going to give you guys the answer of like, Travis Kelsey is going to be awesome. Darren Waller is going to be great. You guys know that I'm trying to find someone later that I'm going to say this guy cannot perform his ADP. And I think for Adam Troutman going in the 12th round, it is a great, you know, tight end, two if you're going with that type of build um, or if you're going like a tight end three tight end build, you're taking as your first tight end, I think it's totally fine because when you look around the depth chart, it's Michael Thomas and. And who, like, who is the wide receiver too? You, you can't even name him, right? Like, is it Traquan Smith? Is it Marquez Calloway? Who the heck knows who it's going to be, right? Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Jared Cook is gone. Someone there has to soak up this opportunity. Adam Troutman was actually PFF's top graded blocking tight end. You might say bets. I don't care if my tight end blocks in fantasy. He's going to be on the field a ton, And behind him, there's really no one else besides Josh Hill who's going to play snaps at tight end. Like, there is a perfect scenario for him to come out and potentially be maybe the third target in the offense for the Saints. Obviously, we like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara to kind of take the one-two lead there. But it could be Adam Troutman, and I think his ADP doesn't factor in the upside that he possesses. Man, you look at his, like, Dayton stats and tape where he went to college. College tight ends don't produce the way... Adam Troutman produced. So go back and check out his box scores. They are absolutely insane. Put up some gaudy numbers in college. So it's a bet on talent, bet on opportunity type of play here. But I think come season's end, you look at him and you're like, wow, Adam Troutman, what a sweet tight end seven season. I did not see that coming. He's going way later than that.
1: Yeah, his ADP really has moved where I, I'm i just not able to get him in any drafts like where I want to. And um, so I have him on a couple of early teams that I drafted. And I was fortunate uh, when before Mike fantasy hitman started hyping up Troutman, we did have some discussions about who some of the players in the UDK were that we wanted to feature. And Troutman was kind of someone on Mike's list and somebody that we had talked about earlier in the off season, but then Mike started putting his stamp of approval on it. But yeah, I agree the production profile of what he did in college opportunity right now is great. I luckily got to trade for him in dynasty like three months ago. So I look like a genius. Look like a real G.
0: What'd you give up? Do you know? Remember? Yes.
1: tell me how you feel about this. I know this isn't a dynasty podcast, but you know it is now. So best Dynasty League winners. (laughs) I gave up Cortland Sutton. All right. You ready? Yes. Yes. for Adam Troutman and Terrace Marshall Jr.
0: Ooh. That is a that is a trade. I don't know how I I feel about it.
1: That that means it's pretty close to fair, is what you're
0: saying. Very close. Especially because I think we're high on Terrace Marshall.
1: And I'm very low on Sutton because he's going to be a free agent this year, and he might stick around, but that's just not something I know right now. Um, I didn't like what I saw with Locke, and I like Judy a lot more, so I just had to bet on that. And originally, I was it was going to be Marshall and something else, and he's like, "What if I throw in Troutman?" I was like, "I actually love Troutman, so uh, yeah, throw him in. That's fine." So feeling pretty good about that. Um, nice. All right, bets. You mentioned you're like we could talk about Kelsey. We could talk about Waller, but you guys already know. I, I am going to mention somebody who sounds chalky, but I just want to be that much clearer because he is my highest roster tight end. I, I have taken George Kittle so much in best ball because where I have him ranked compared to ADP is huge. So right now, George Kittle is tight end three. So he's going behind Waller at the 302. So there's not much room to go much higher, but I have him in the tight end two and I have him at 20th overall. So I basically have him seven above ADP bets to the point where if I'm drafting and you think about your teams, think about if you're picking the first, let's say five picks, you're getting a running back, you know, like you're getting CMC, you're getting Cook, you're getting Henry, Kamara, Zeke, like those are kind of the guys that we like, Saquon, Jonathan Taylor. And then coming back around, you have to ask yourself the question, like, am I going to get a wide receiver or am I going to get a running back. I am completely okay if you have a top 5 pick if you want to take George Kittle. Let's say Waller's off the board. Um or if you're my favorite build that I have so far is I have a team that went Cook, it went CH and then it went Kittle. So it started out the gate really strong. I have another team that has CMC and then it went Kittle and Jefferson. And that team is just dirty. Like that team is 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 ready. I have an elite running back And I've already crossed off tight end. And so I'm saying that George Kittle is actually going to hopefully stay in it. We love the Niners. We've mentioned three Niners in this. And I'm okay going a little bit above ADP. I know that's only seven picks. It's not that much, but I'm giving anybody the permission in those first five picks to say, take this guy. And I'm actually okay. I have him ranked above Waller. I'm okay if you take Waller, but I just like Kittle a lot more this year. And I just like their offense a lot more.
0: I like it. Uh, George Kittle seems a little, um, I don't know, stale is like the right word. Like, I feel like last year and the year before, like everyone was hyped about George Kittle, and now it's like, I guess he'll fit in as like the tight end three or four. And I think I'm with you based off what we talked about with the Niners, right? Like, clearly we like this team. We like them for best ball. And I also love the fact that it kind of feels like with George Kittle, some people are out on the injury aspect of him. I am not. His injury last year was a cuboid fracture. Those heal extremely reliably. Great blood supply. We saw him come back at the end of the season. People kind of forget he was back out there for the team in the last couple of games. So entering the offseason fully healthy, um, his injury history to me is kind of fluky. It doesn't have that correlation that I look for. So for me, no red flags there. I definitely think George Kittle could really come out and smash this year. Um, and we wouldn't even be like, oh, that's you know, that's not surprising. Like it's George Kittle. This guy is freaking awesome. And I think people forget how good he is. So I like that call a lot.
1: Yeah, no, that you answered a huge question because there is something in the back of my mind. It's like, ah, oh, hasn't he been injured a little bit the last couple of years? Like, and that does mess with you because you look at him and you go, I saw what Waller did. Kelsey's the undisputed tight end one. But I think you would agree. Like we could look up Kittle was the tight end one. And in best ball, I have a different build than other people that are like, okay, I got to get Kelsey or Waller and I'm like all right well I actually said I want Kittle if I have a top 5 pick and I've got a stud running back and I'm able to kind of cross that off my list have only two tight ends in this build so I love getting Kittle with those teams but let's go a little bit deeper here bets and find some deep dive league winners dig deeper y'all let's go So we used that drop a couple of, eh, maybe it was like a month ago, Bets and Jeremy, our producer, Al Borland, was like, I have no idea what that drop is. I have no idea where you got it. And we had to actually ask Mike, it is not my voice, although if you listen closely enough, it kind of does sound a little bit like me. So let's just say that's me saying let's go.
0: I'm still convinced that I think it is you,
1: actually. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I'm playing mind games. But if that was me, then I hopefully got you pumped up to hear about what we're talking about as league winners. We're basically saying with your last pick, you could take this player and it could change your life. Everything could change. So, bets hit me with your best shot.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was so funny. Um, The thing is, it actually could change your life. <laughs> like if you won a million dollars with this player, you actually would have a life-changing result. However. I'm maybe not predicting this, but I'm saying that the scenario that exists, we talked about it with this ambiguous situation. And again, I got to give a shout out to myself for this because that's the third time I said that word. Didn't mess it up. Situations are things people want to avoid. Who is the Saints starting quarterback, Kyle? Can you tell me right now?
1: Uh, No idea. If it is Taysom Hill,
0: and he is going as the quarterback 30 Yes, he is almost not even a starting quarterback in the NFL, according to this ADP. If he is named the starter in week one and he plays all 16 or 17 games, are you kidding me? He is going to absolutely smash this ADP and be a guy that isn't rostered on a ton of teams because people at that point in the draft are saying like, I got my quarterbacks, I'm good. And Taysom Hill, we have seen him have a huge ceiling in the games he started. We're talking about four weeks in a row. He started last year, quarterback four, quarterback, 11, quarterback, eight, quarterback, 11, four weeks in a row as a quarterback one. If you get that player at quarterback 30 ADP, oh, my Lanta, absolutely love that. Because, again, you do not have to stack him. He is going to run the football a ton. And I just I feel like if if Sean Payton likes you that much, like you're going to play. Like, I I don't see a scenario that exists where he isn't even, you know, on the field, at least in some capacity. So even if you take him, like, let's say he doesn't win, quote unquote, the starting job. And it's Jameis Winston. You know, you're going to get a couple spike weeks where it's like, all right, there's there's Taysom Hill for two touchdowns. And he might be your quarterback that week. Like, to me, I love Taysom at his ADP. And you just look at what he did last year. They had the same choice. Sean Payton had the choice to go to Jameis. He went to Taysom Hill. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Taysom Hill this year as a starting quarterback. Absolutely love
1: him in the 18th round. So and he's only for three quarterback builds, is what you're saying?
0: I think, I think you can take him as a, a two QB build in best ball mania. I would not do it in a regular draft, best ball draft, because again, at that point you're really sacrificing. I think, but in best ball mania, where again we want to just win the whole thing, like that's what you need to do. I think that that is a a viable play if you have a stud early, a Mahomes, a Lamar kyler etc
1: yeah i think it is going to take something like that where if you had a stud that you could just ride the whole year let's say you went lamar because that's your boy and lamar ends up being the quarterback one and hill is your backup you're basically saying you know what i need a couple of those spike weeks maybe they happen weeks 15 16 17 for the championship and nobody has a roster that's lamar jackson and Taysom hill like that's what you're hoping for uh, to get a little different. So I don't mind it. It is wild. It is out there. Um so I'm cool with it. I'm gonna go really, really wild up over here. Um our boy OJ Howard. Yes, you probably Ooh. did not think that we would be talking about uh this man. He is uh he is what we we need to listen to, what we need to uh focus on with when it comes to the Buccaneers, because nobody's talking about this guy. And yet he could finish out as the tight end one for the team. I think he's the most talented tight end on the roster. Do you think so, Betts?
0: I mean, Gronk is Gronk's a Hall of Fame player, obviously. obviously. But at this right. point in his career, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. I, I will say I have, I have extreme visions right now. Things going back where I'm looking at him just having the behind-the-back catch that he dropped for an interception. Do you remember that play two years ago? Yes. So I think that it's pretty close, but I think his upside is way higher than Rob Gronkowski.
1: And that's what I'm going for. I'm going for a player that is for free, routinely not being drafted at all. And so I have done a couple of different builds where I just wanted a piece of the Buccaneers offense. And last year, O.J. Howard, you may have forgotten, cuz you know, he technically won a championship but technically didn't cuz after week 4 he was out for the rest of the year. But for that first month of the year, he was Fantasy-wise, the tight end eight and tight end five in in two of those four starts. And remember, Gronk started off really rough. Like it it was like not startable in any format. You couldn't get Rob Gronkowski. So this is a bet on somebody who is talented that's still somehow hanging around, first round, you know, draft pick somehow. And maybe he puts it together. Let's say he gets a six, seven touchdown season. And at the very end, when the Buccaneers play, they play the Panthers- in some of those last games, like those games could be easily be a shootout. So I'm just hoping that OJ Howard with my very last pick gets me in on the Buccaneers offense. Hopefully he stays healthy. And if Gronk goes down, then you definitely have somebody who has more upside and I would love him in hyper fragile builds where I did go Kittle. And then I said, you know what? I'm just going to wait till the very end. I'm going to use Kittle score every week anyways. So mine not, might as well just reach the very end and get O.J. Howard. And I don't know of anybody who's hyping up O.J. Howard right now. So that is my shoot for the moon. We could this guy could be out of the league in a couple of years, which is crazy to think based on his uh, workout metrics. But O.J. Howard is going for free.
0: I mean, the thing about that that I like is that he plays for the Bucks, And I talked about it with Chris Godwin. Like I just like the passing offense. They went with a huge pass heavy scheme. So if he ends up being the pass catcher for that, you know, tight end uh position for Tom Brady, we're talking about a week fifteen matchup with the Saints where they have a 30 point implied total. Week sixteen, they get Carolina, week seventeen in the fantasy championship against the Jets. So yes, please.
1: Yeah, and I just I, I really started doing some Googling. Of like who is talking about Otarius Jabari Howard right now? And it's nobody bets. <laughs> nobody just, is just talking <laughs> about our boy Otarius Jabari. So Love it. uh needed to go way deep for that one. All right, give me give me another uh Ooh, you got some rookies. Give me give me some of these rookies.
0: Yes, and I did want to give a quick shout out to Pat Corrine and Jack Miller um of Roto World or NBC Sports Edge, I guess as it's called now. I will never get used to that. But uh, these guys, I just read the article today. It was awesome. So I would recommend checking it out about how rookies can help you win in best ball. So I wanted to highlight a couple that I think fit the profile that these guys talked about. And you kind of see, like, wide receivers and running backs start to put up more points as the season goes on, which is what their article highlights. So please go check it out. But I'm going to talk about Dwayne Eskridge, the Seattle wide receiver three, going as the wide receiver 89, and Diami Brown as the wide receiver 78 for Washington. Two rookies who are deep ball receivers that put up insane efficiency metrics. I had the opportunity to write up De'Ami Brown for our rookie profiles on the site, which was a ton of fun to do. His college shape was a ton of fun. He averaged over 20 yards per reception in college. So you're, you're talking about a scenario where he basically has to come out and beat out Cam Sims, who's just kind of been a middling like roster-clogger type of player in the NFL, and Adam Humphreys who's on a one-year deal who just got cut by Tennessee, who before Julio had literally no pass catchers and didn't want him. So I think that tells us a lot about Adam Humphreys at this point in his career. He has to beat out those two guys. And if Curtis Samen plays in the slot, Dummy Brown, by the end of the season, could earn a near every down roll. And he's going super late uh, as a, a dart throw in the 18th or 17th round. So love him there. And then for Dwayne Eskridge, you're talking about a player who he certainly has some warts in his profile as a rookie. Like, you know, broke out kind of late and then like didn't declare until he was like a fourth or I think fifth year college player, which is sort of not great when we look for those kind of guys. But he goes to play with Russell Wilson, which is obviously a good thing. And then in front of him, right, it's, it's DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But we even saw last year there were a couple of games where like David Moore had huge spike weeks. And this could be the David Moore situation of last year. In the 18th round, I don't want Dwayne Eskridge to be a wide receiver one. I want him to have three or four huge spike weeks and that's all you're asking for for win rates for for guys going this late so love getting Dwayne Eskridge to complete a Russell Wilson stack same thing for Deami Brown there to go with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick
1: I love the picks Um, I'm a big Dwayne Eskridge fan I have him in dynasty and I think he just fits what you want you want somebody who can come in he's going to play in the slot probably you know probably him and Tyler Lockett are going to switch back and forth but he has the return game, like in terms of his profile, where like he's just electric. He's kind of short, kind of small, but uh, I love that you could stack him with Russell Wilson. Let's say you only got one of those Metcalf or Lockett. That's fine. Like finish it out with Estridge, Eskridge at the very end, um, and I love that. And I love the Brown pick. I know you've been on Washington for a lot of the years, so I think he's been one of those guys at the very end that you're like, okay, target this team. But I mean. Think about Eskridge. He was a second round player. This is what the team used their pick on. Like this, the Seahawks used their pick on getting a wide receiver when they could have gone so many different directions for their team. So um, I'm a I'm a huge fan of him. And so I've taken him a couple of different places late. Um, I like him a lot. All right, I'll throw out one more. Another rookie wide receiver who um, I think he has a bigger opportunity than the other two guys you mentioned. But it's Nico Collins. He's going up pick 209. We know how bad the Texans are. And we've mentioned with the Texans, we don't want multiple pieces. So I I actually haven't been getting any Brandon Cooks at all. Um, I have a little bit of David Johnson, but I could not tell you another player that I have. Do you have any, any other Texans?
0: I don't think I've drafted a Texan all offseason.
1: <laughs> I just, I know there's going to be value there. And so I'd rather have something that's low risk at the end of my draft than say, Brandon cooks is going to be awesome. You know, maybe he's, you know, right there. Like he returns ADP, but I don't think he's going to be able to grow on it the way that Collins can. And Collins is just a different build. (laughs) Like he's the exact opposite of Brandon cooks. Like he's six, four, he's huge. He can be a red zone guy. And he just looks like a freak. There was Brandon cooks was quoted. Like this guy is just looks different. He already looks like a pro, like body wise. And The team had a very limited number of draft picks. I still think that they're building their team the wrong way. They have had some questionable moves. But I'll take a chance on Collins at the very end of my draft. And maybe he catches like four or five TDs. And you can have some usable weeks. And he becomes a win rate player in the 18th round.
0: It's hard to argue. 18th round pick. (laughs) <laughs> for a guy right, For a guy who could, like you said, you're, you know, Benjamin was like a huge win rate player last year. Like, we're telling you guys, we're taking players who are going to play on the field and have opportunity. That's what you want to target in the 18th round. So, yes, I, I don't hate the call. Like you said, someone's going to return value. And the best chance of returning value based on ADP is probably Nico Collins. So, I like that call a lot.
1: All right, I'm going to shoot my shot one more time. And, bets. if you have a name that comes to mind, you can throw it out there. But I just need to throw out my boy, darinton evans backup running back for the titans uh we've mentioned the titans a lot on this podcast how they are a fragile team that basically like if something happened to Tannehill or henry like yikes so we're not projecting injury but with the amount of touches that henry has had the last two years i've been kind of not getting as much henry because i'm a little higher on zeke uh and so I end up right around that four or five. Like I'd rather have Zeke than Henry. So I end up not getting a lot of Henry, but I still want a piece of that. So I don't mind taking Darrington Evans, who actually has a pretty sweet profile out of Appalachian State. It's his second year in the league. He did nothing last year, by the way. Uh but I just like his skill set. I like that he can catch the ball. Uh, and then he has four four speed. So Darrington Evans shooting my shot, bearing me the draft. He might be, you know, a win rate win rate guy and or just mean nothing.
0: And I will say, this seems obvious, but like if you have Derrick Henry, do not take Darrington Evans. <laughs> it will not help you.
1: No, no, that's worth saying because I've thought the same thing.
0: Take Evans if you do not have Derrick Henry, if you want some exposure to Tennessee. I think that makes sense.
1: So any, any other random players bets or you feel pretty good?
0: No, I feel pretty good with those. I think just in general, the rookie wide receivers are providing a lot of value. There's some other ones. You know, I'm Marty Rogers, if you're stacking with Aaron Rodgers, the, the double A Rogers stack for the win uh, is another guy that kind of goes super late. And then I've also been getting a little bit to uh, not a rookie, but KJ Hamler is a guy that's always there. And we just seen him have some spike weeks, obviously last year. So if the opportunity is there for Hamler, he's going to be a guy that will have a couple huge bombs that again, in an 18th round, that's all you're asking for.
1: Yeah. Hamler was on the league winning team last year. And it's funny when we talk about wide receivers, but because we really recommend like you should probably be taking nine receivers at a minimum. I mean, eight, you can do eight, but when you start dropping below eight, like your win rate's going to plummet. So you have this collection of wide receivers, eight, nine, 10 of them. And some of them are going to look rough. You'd be like, holy crap. I have a couple of wide receivers that like are going to put up two points some weeks, but that collective approach is going to work where KJ Hamler had a couple of usable weeks and actually won Justin Herzig, the 250 K last year for underdog. So uh, it's fun to talk about these players because they're low risk. And if they hit, you feel like a G so um, next show, we're going to be talking about forecasting. And I mentioned it earlier, but Betts and I are going to kind of give a approach of how do you look at teams and situations and how to not just be close-minded and have a very simple, singular uh, projection because that's the worst part about projections. They give you maybe a medium outcome, but they don't give you a range. And that's really what you need to be able to see in DFS, in best ball, um, in different rankings. So I'm excited to talk about forecasting and everything else with that. But Bets, you want to give the people a lot, one last little hoorah?
0: I'm going to give people a nice hoorah into the weekend. Enjoy it. We'll be back next week. Have a great weekend, guys.